wonder if you've ever thought, uh, oh, I could really do with some peace and quiet. Sat down to rest, maybe, maybe put some, maybe watch, put something on on TV, put on a DVD, a film you're going to watch, and the phone rings or the doorbell goes, and here's someone wanting attention. Here's someone wanting us to do something. Wonder if you've ever had a busier time, a busier phase in life, and been really looking forward to a break only to find that that opportunity for a break is taken from you. Maybe during this pandemic-dominated year, it's been the opposite, maybe with too much time in our hands for some of us. But I think we all know or can easily imagine those times when we've looked forward to relaxation, and then something or someone comes along and snatches it away. Jesus, and verse 10 of Luke 9, the first verse and passage that Karen read, was looking for some downtime, time away from everyone with his disciples. They had been, verses 1 to 9 of the chapter, on, on a, a mission, on a, an outreach activity, and, and after such a thing, we, we need a break. But also, Jesus would be looking, I'm sure, to do some debriefing with them about how it had gone. Jesus was very much a person who encouraged reflective learning. That is, you would look at what's happened, assess it, what does it mean, what can we take from it, what can we learn from it, what's its significance, and how do we do it differently, or how do we do it better the next time? And so he took his disciples, verse 10, away for that. Jesus also recognized the worth, didn't he, of time away from other people, a couple of weeks ago, we were looking at the passage where after his baptism, the Spirit had taken him into the wilderness. And the importance of that time on your own to think about priorities, to, to work out um, who you were and what you were about, to ensure that despite all the different clamors for our attention, energy, money, and interest that we're on the Lord's path and the Lord's way. So all of that's very important time to think through what's been going on, and that time alone to refocus. And so Jesus, verse 10, takes the disciples away for that. But, verse 11, the crowd followed. They interrupted Jesus' downtime. They intruded upon the learning debrief that Jesus was going to hold with his disciples. They snatched away the peace and quiet that Jesus was after with his disciples. The crowd came along, changed his plans, and messed about with what he'd purposed to do. And, verse 11, he welcomed them. That is, he didn't just say, well, I suppose you're here now. We might as well make the best of it. He didn't go, oh, no, 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 I wasn't really doing anything. He didn't say, can you not, can you lot not give me some peace? He, verse 11, welcomed them. In Mark's account of the feeding of the 5,000, we're told that Jesus had compassion on the crowd, and so, verse 34 of Mark 6, he began teaching them. Teaching, his message, was part of the compassion. And Jesus shared this message of the kingdom of God, verse 11 of Luke 9, and also did some healing signs of the kingdom. In Jesus, God was at work restoring his rule over the world. God was, bringing, was at work bringing back the, the lost, bringing them back home, re-establishing His rule over the broken world. 
His message was not selfish in terms of his needs. It wasn't selfish in terms of the crowd's needs. It was about a new reign, a new rule. And it was a message that said, we are not the center of the universe. The world does not owe us a living. Rather, life is gifted by God. And God has a role, a purpose, a, a mission for us to be part of. That was our theme that George was helping us with last week, serving the Lord in the world. Jesus is reaffirming that message, and also he's healing, which were signs pointing to the reality of what he was saying. This was not the kingdom in all its fullness. The people who got healed here, Luke 9, were going to become unwell again, and they were going to die. But a new day was coming, a new king was on the throne, a new age was breaking out, and now this king was among them, and not just announcing God's rule, but also giving signs of that rule. And this was good news. And Jesus' teaching was good news. His signs were good news. And so much so that it seems that Jesus and the crowd kind of forgot where they were. And they had overlooked the need for some dinner. And so, verse 12, the disciples thought, here's the chance to get rid of them. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to Jesus and said, send the crowd away so that they can go to the surrounding villages and find food. You know, that McDonald's down the road, I'm not sure it's a 24 hours one, so maybe we better get to it before it closes. Send them away. And they're probably thinking, we were going to get some peace and quiet with the Messiah. This lot, who invited this lot? They just turned up. They butted in. Here's, here's a chance to get that precious one-to-one -one time with Jesus again. Send them away. But the Jesus, verse 11, who had welcomed the crowd, even though they had butted in in his downtime, he wasn't wanting to get away with the minimum amount. Once more, here was an opportunity, a chance to show both the disciples and the crowd something more of the reality of the kingdom of God. The Old Testament prophet Isaiah, who, who says a great deal about the last days and the final coming of God's kingdom, in chapter 25 of Isaiah, he says this, on this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a, fe a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheep that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove the people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken." In that day, they will say, surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. And in these words, Isaiah was pointing forward to, to the end of time, to the, the new creation, when there's that final healing, that abundance of life where death is destroyed. But in the meantime, Jesus had come as a, a step in establishing that kingdom and a step pointing forward to that kingdom. And just as his healings were signs about the, the renewal that there was going to be at the end of time, so too in this feast with the thousands 
was going to be a picture of that banquet that Isaiah was speaking of. Jesus was giving a vivid foretaste of what was to come. And he was giving an indication that he had the power to bring it about. Now, the apostles, the disciples with Jesus, hadn't seen anything like this miracle before. They had seen Jesus do miracles. They had seen the healings. They'd even seen earlier on, in, well, in the previous chapter, a, a dead girl raised to life. But they hadn't seen anything on this enormous scale. And we shouldn't be too harsh on their hesitancy when they're saying, well, we can't really feed them. We've only got five loaves and a couple of fish. In the mercy of God, these disciples became part of an astonishing miracle. The meager resources that they brought to Jesus were used, and used to do far, far, far more than they would ever have done without Jesus' power even to the extent, verse 17, that 12 baskets were left, of food was left over. Now, we're right to stress the moral ways of God's kingdom, justice and the voice for the oppressed and so on, themes that we were looking at with George last week. But we mustn't think that what God can do is limited by our resources. We are not let off any hook by thinking or saying, well, this is all we've got, and clearly it's not enough. And so we can opt out. The kingdom of God is established in God's terms, in God's power. And He graciously takes what we have and what we offer and does so much more than we would ever be able to do were it simply ours. The Christian church is the beginning and the, the sign of God's new coming age. And our meals, our hospitality are to be foretastes of this future banquet that Isaiah pictured. Our meals, our sharing of food is to be a proclamation and a demonstration of God's good news. The disciples have the power of Jesus with them in Luke chapter 9, but it's His power and we today share in the ministry of Jesus, but it's His ministry. And Luke tells this story here of the feeding of the 5,000 in such a way as to highlight both our responsibility and our inability. For of course, by ourselves, we cannot bring in the kingdom of God. But that doesn't mean there is not anything for us to do. We are to offer who we are and what we have in serving Him. And sometimes through our weak and sometimes laughably inadequate resources, God grows His kingdom. And a key aspect, a big part of that is sharing food. There are over 60 references to food and drink in Luke's gospel, and on 10 occasions we find Jesus at a meal. Our insular, independent, our very individualistic society fights against what is a good gospel instinct to invite, to welcome, to be prepared to sacrifice and give up our downtime, to give of ourselves. 
Sharing food and sharing hospitality is not about being nice. It is about the ministry and mission of Jesus. It is about signs and foretastes of the kingdom of God. And we should be eager to hold out instances, examples of kingdom hospitality, that people might see the way of Jesus in action. When, and I trust it is when rather than if, when we're beyond the restrictions of the pandemic and we can once more have folk in our homes or can meet in cafes and bars and restaurants, we should be forming a habit of building in some of this sharing time, building in this kind of hospitality. Much more than simply just looking, after, looking forward to seeing my friends at coffee mornings again, fine as that is, Beyond that, we are to look further about extending God's love, showing God's care, and doing so on a regular basis so it becomes a habit, something that's just a matter of course for us. Who can I be sharing with? To whom can I offer this foretaste of the kingdom of God? Maybe you're still thinking, well, I can't do that. I don't have enough. I don't have enough culinary skill. I don't have enough talent. I don't have enough confidence. I don't have enough of... Come on, even these disciples only had a few rolls and a couple of fish. They might have said, it's not really enough. What's the point? It'll never get beyond the front row. And after that, the people behind them will just be angry. We're just going to start a fight if we bring it. Why don't we just keep the fish and the rolls down here? And at least they might take away the worst of our pangs of hunger if we share it out amongst ourselves, it'll keep us going to breakfast at least. They could have thought that. They could have done that. And not just simply with these thousands of people not being fed, but we would not have had this miracle that points to the reality of the kingdom of God. We would have not have this picture of what Isaiah is excitedly telling us about in chapter 25. In verse 16 of our passage, Jesus takes the loaves and fishes. He gives thanks for them. He breaks them. And he gives them. He takes. He gives thanks. He breaks. He gives. And these same four words in the same order are what Jesus said and what Jesus did at the Last Supper with his disciples. He took, he gave thanks, he broke, and he gave. See, this is not, this is not just one isolated story that, that's thrown in here. This, this is part of who Jesus was and how Jesus lived and how Jesus ministered. This is part of the kingdom of God. This is part of what Jesus was doing right at that very moment when he was about to offer himself on the cross for our sins. This is kingdom stuff. And it is what we are to do with life, to take, be thankful, to break, and to give. And this kind of sharing, this kind of giving, this kind of thankfulness and overflowing celebration should be a hallmark of, of who we are. We shouldn't be reluctant givers. 
Suppose this crowd have turned up, we better do something. That wasn't Jesus' way at all. He welcomed them. We shouldn't be thinking of how easier it is for her, or how much better it is, or how much we prefer just to have our, our downtime, our relaxation. Jesus welcomed them. And we're to be that kind of welcoming and giving people. It could be done through organized church contributions and programs. I know of a congregation who provide food whenever they hear of a bereavement or whenever they hear of a new birth in the community. In these traumatic, upheaval times, people very often appreciate just some simple meal or a food being handed in. And so I know a church, as I say, who goes out of their way to identify these times and, and take something. Anyone up for doing something like that? It's not about being nice. It's kingdom work. But it doesn't have to be the programs that the church organizes as a whole. As individuals and as families, we should reflect on how we can better show and share this kind of hospitality. Because it's kingdom work. It should be something that we're making a habit of. Kingdom sharing, kingdom generosity, kingdom welcome, kingdom life that points to God's ultimate final salvation, which, as I said, was pictured for us in, in Isaiah and picked up in Revelation chapter 21 as John looks forward to the end of time with, with very much the same features, the nation gathering, death being destroyed, tears being wiped away, and the banqueting table being full. But now is not just the time to hang around hoping that that's going to turn up soon. Now is the time for giving foretastes of that kingdom, just as Jesus was doing in his teaching and his healing and in this meal that he shared with these thousands of people. Point to the kingdom. It doesn't just happen easily. It doesn't just happen automatically. That's why we have to form habits. That's why we have to make ways and patterns so that we're building into life building into our lives something of the love, the joy, and the generosity of God's kingdom. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for such a welcoming Jesus. We thank you for a Jesus who was gracious enough to include others in his work. A Jesus who didn't just say to the disciples, you stand there and watch and be amazed, but help them bring who they were and what they had. And Lord, we can imagine their steps being so tentative as they began to break the bread, as they began to break up the bits of fish, and as they were handing them out, thinking it's going to run out any moment now. And then what are people going to say to me? We can think of oh, just how difficult that must have been for them, but you were their sufficiency. So, Lord, be our sufficiency. Help us to look for the opportunities. Help us to be willing to share our resources, no matter how inadequate or meager we think they are. 
And might they in the grace of God, and might we in the grace of God, have a reach and a sharing that goes way beyond what we would manage in our own, because Jesus is with us, and Jesus is bringing in his kingdom. Amen.